1: Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast, brought to you by Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. It is November 7th. I am your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. Mario, what's going on, man? Uh, not much.
2: Just can't wait to watch Derek Carr face Philip Rivers in a couple hours. It's going to be pretty sweet. Yeah, you got one team, you know, dynasty on the rise like the Raiders, and then mm-hmm. you have another uh, kind of like a... F- a fading maybe soon to be exported dynasty in the the Chargers and since it's Thursday everyone will be playing at their best and I just look forward to watching that
1: Yeah, as is tradition and you know we we got to cherish these last few games that we we get at the Oakland stadium where a, do they still have the baseball field on there? Do they patch over it We're last not week? Probably they should bring it back yeah. for, for
2: a national TV game. Yeah, have have like a little bit of like a instead of a green monster just like a. Part of the field where the diamond you know turns to grass for keep the bases on. on it too yeah keep the bases out there <laughs> you need to conserve and it's wasteful to to be picking up those bases and putting mm-hmm. them inside uh so yeah i think they should just leave it all out there maybe it'll make the game a little better i don't know but yeah the chargers i know they beat the packers but that was i don't know we, i guess we can't talk about this too much since it's uh it happened already right but at but the same uh, time, i don't think they're that good yet yeah the packers just kind of i don't know why they did they just partied through that whole game no question they just didn't care
1: yeah so let's jump into the meat of this week it is week 10 we got a ton of teams on by this week so this is sort of uh right in the middle of by mageddon basically i think uh, there there are yeah i know right worst time of the year it's it's not good um a lot of you know the the texans and the jags being off and the the texans or i'm sorry the jaguars moving on to nick Foles starting next week so get your stashing ready for that Um, but let's jump into the games that are being played this weekend let's start things out in chicago with the bears opening up as two and a half point favorites against the lions i think the only reason behind that is stafford being a bit dinged up with, with some back issues and obviously he had some back issues last year so that that leads to the reason for concern uh there so what do you make of this game off the bat
2: well uh forgive me i'm, I'm trying to load the the injury report uh there's nothing like break wise with with uh the, no like transverse process kind of thing going on with no, Stafford. i don't think so okay um he has a history of kind of having scary sounding injuries and then just playing really well through it so hopefully that's all that's going on here and if he's that, limited as of thursday okay if that is going if that is what's going on here then i would kind of uh like i'm betting against if if i'm placing a bet on this game which i'm not because i can't uh then i would bet against the bears uh i know leaving detroit is is a concern and stafford being limited if the weather got bad somehow that would also be a bit of a concern since the lions have been uh th- th- when they go when things go well for them it's because they're throwing the ball well like stafford is, is playing really well and if you remove that part of the equation all, have, all of a sudden you just kind of have a bad run offense so maybe that's the way it can go wrong for them but if he's okay and if he can throw the ball uh, the bears are just basically not a real team so uh, maybe i'm missing something um, but i think Stafford. Uh, maybe Amendola needs to pick up a little bit of the slack in this one like Galladay going against Fuller and Amakumara Marvin Jones that's a pretty significant test for him too so might be easier to attack the middle of the field maybe Hawkinson and Amendola can step up a bit okay yeah it would be nice to see
1: Hawkinson kind of get things uh, turned back around on the bear side of things when I was looking into this game a little bit closer obviously they've been so terrible this year and and Mitchell Trubisky obviously kind of at the at the center of that but the Lions have the worst run defense by fantasy standards allowing 26.4 fantasy points per game to opposing running backs with David Montgomery since week four since he kind of took over against the Vikings owns a 67 percent share of this rushing uh, pie basically for the Bears so he's going to get a ton of looks against a bad Lions run defense so I actually you know I think we, you and I, have established over several months now that that we're not the biggest Montgomery guys in the world. But I mean, this is a total green light scenario for him. I really like him this week.
2: Yeah, it is. It is a good week to have him, and you know, especially with with the, it lining up on all these other bye weeks. It'll be nice for his owners. Like you said, that Detroit defense has been really bad against the run and. I don't even understand how it's possible that they're this bad against the run. I think I the linebacking cores is just so weak. It is. It is. Yeah. It's it's uh, very bad. And including the, they also give up quite a bit uh, through the air to running backs. Uh, they might be the worst as far as that goes. Eight point six, or sorry, eight point two six yards per target uh, at about sixty nine percent catch rate. That's a low catch rate, but that's a lot uh, of yardage per target and uh yeah Montgomery can maybe do some more damage there than he has in s- some of these earlier points in the year it seems like he he could be a pretty good pass catcher or at least have you know good hands uh, decent route running ability I don't think he'll ever be elusive but with the run being uh, the run defense being a concern with the lines like you said maybe this is a week where Montgomery's flaws are pretty much muted and his his uh plus traits are are kind of like amplified yeah, by the yeah. setting yeah
1: so I like him from a from fantasy perspective this week but uh, it it is hard to bet on the bears for this for this game in general but it's also hard i feel like it's tough to bet on the lions on the That's road true. too so it's it's really just a
2: complex game i'm no betting the expert Bear, so yeah the that, bears that have that just could... been
1: such trash this year Ugh, but yeah i hate them
2: yeah uh, no it's 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 amazing how uh matt nagy and freddie kitchens and um i feel like there's another one i'm forgetting there's there's like a few guys at once who should be considered who, who would normally take up our, our brain space as being gase? the worst coach ever and yet there's like yeah gase yeah so there's like there's like three of these happening at once and then like we we were supposed to be spending this year like complaining about how much vic fangio sucks or somebody like that like yeah. some, some other r- merely really terrible coach in the <laughs> nfl but instead we've got Nagy and gase and uh um whoever the other one is uh just Freddy. yeah Freddie. just just looking insanely bad in a way that uh, honest to god i have never seen it before with the, the, any of those three teams i've never seen coaching uh, like i've never seen teams that are just that uh dysfunctional it's like you you see some bad teams sometimes but uh the scale of the, the dysfunction and like the uh the the, uh, the bleakness of it is something that's like really tangible when you watch the bears you like it's i just feel like i have like a panicky feeling watching mitch chubisky play where i'm like oh no something's wrong like i'm in a movie where something bad is about to happen and this is the part where the audience is getting you know clued in on what's going to happen next but i haven't figured it out yet like it's like i get that kind of anxiety watching uh, how bad that offense is and um at least he won't have pressure here or he shouldn't because that in addition to having a trash run defense uh the the lions have no pass rush and that's yeah it's Huge failure by Patricia that that's the case because it's like they pursue all of these you know Mike Daniels, Ashawn Robinson, and uh, yeah. Trey Flowers should be able to rush the passer too. Yeah, really. he's he's supposed to be good at it. It's just that uh, he might be the only guy who's any good at it. And I'm guessing at this point with the failure that the the kind of failure that they've had, Patricia probably isn't helping as far as scheming goes. Like he he seems he came up with like that one good game plan against the Chiefs, and last year there was some game where they. Um, they slowed down. Somebody. Did they
1: beat the Patriots or something last year?
2: Yeah, they did beat the Patriots they got all last smug year. Smug about it. Um, but yeah, it's like he he comes up with answers to these questions that don't really matter very much, and then the more mundane day to day, week to week kind of stuff he seems just helpless this
1: is for the questions that don't have any answers that's kid rock that's more Detroit <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah uh he's from Detroit that's so right that's, he's uh, running for uh, it all works something. great yeah uh, but anyway I uh, hate both of these teams uh not really the, I love but I'm Stafford not gonna, I don't want to watch yeah Stafford's doing great this year and the receivers are pretty fun on that team uh they they should if stafford can throw the ball i think they can they can offset the montgomery threat but you're right the montgomery threat uh a they're going to move the ball pretty easily probably with him and b uh, when you can move the ball through a player like montgomery you give the opposing quarterback especially when the opposing quarterback has no running game of his own to help you put a very slim margin of error on that quarterback and you know a little wind uh a sore back something like that could be you know take up that whole margin right there yeah and
1: yeah so with that the Lions really do need to stay on schedule when they have the ball because the the Bears can just kind of sit on it otherwise let's shift our gears over to the Ravens going up against the Bengals Bengals second worst run defense by by fantasy standards (laughs) here Uh, the Ravens uh, news to everybody really really good at running the ball really good at it Uh, Lamar Jackson Mark Ingram even Gus Edwards uh, getting into the mix there so green lights for all those guys um, I think that the Ravens could rack up 200 rushing yards again on on this Bengals team
2: yeah and on the Bengals part AJ green a AJ green is not going to play props uh it's it seems like he can play but is just saying I'm not going to do with this crap organization no, sis. Once. yeah just just you know, f them. Don't play, dude. Yeah, say your hamstring hurts, make up whatever. Uh, Trent Williams also props like keep going strong guys solidarity. Um, but maybe I'm just saying that in the AJ Green case as a Tyler Boyd owner. I may maybe I'm biased, but uh no, to be serious, I I, I love AJ Green. If he plays, that'd be cool. It's just, uh, it's a shame that that team has wasted his whole career and he kills the go. Ravens when he plays. I just don't. He, I think he said today that he's not going to play. Yeah, so. he said he's not going to play. So yeah, I, I think he could, but it's yeah. Why would you screw them? uh So Tyler Boyd is in there, but uh his huge char- uh, target share might not mean a whole lot with Ryan Finley at quarterback. Um, John, you being a college football expert can kind of appreciate these references better than most people, uh, but this is really the bad the, the news that follows this is very bad. Ryan Finley will turn 25 in December, and he transferred from Boise State not after uh, you know, losing a competition to a a, a Hank Bachmeyer type. It was Brett Ripon as a true freshman, won the, the starting quarterback competition there when Finley was a redshirt sophomore. Mm-hmm. So he was in his third year, and he couldn't beat out 18-year-old Brett Rippon who went undrafted in this very same draft in which the Bengals took Finley in the fourth. This is... Like there's basically no precedent for a player profile like Finley's being anything but a monumental uh, disaster. He in had the like NFL. an eight-year college career, basically. Yeah, and when you when you can't get on the field at Boise State, and the guy who beats you at Boise State goes undrafted, and when you go to North Carolina State and you're good, true, he was good there, but when you're only good and you have that two to three year age advantage over everybody, it exactly. means you're just not that talented and uh he's gonna get no help i mean it the, the doesn't seem like zach taylor's scheme is doing anything useful because bad as andy dalton was he was never as bad before as he was this year so i have no reason to think finley is anything but a disaster i'm not convinced he lasts more than two or three quarters i'm not con- i definitely i actually don't think he'll start uh the week after this because the ravens have this like super cornerback rotation all of a sudden mm-hmm. like it, it's just it's really it's almost unfair for finley to have to have to go play against this but uh i don't think it'll go well so i don't have much hope for boyd i have no hope for mixon uh nothing really in cincinnati do i have any hope for in this game on the other side baltimore should have success in whatever capacity they operate the question is just like how much are they going to try uh like how much are they even going to open the playbook how much usage would lamar jackson or mark ingram get in this game they shouldn't overuse J- Jackson as a right runner I don't think week. they I don't think oh sorry I was, it's like I don't think he should need to run the ball 5 times in this game.
1: No, just just hammer Ingram and Edwards and get out of there if you're the Ravens.
2: Yeah, so um I I like Mark Andrews in the sense that like even even if uh even if Jackson throws for like 180 yards, there's a good chance especially against a defense like this that Andrews does something. Can't fault people for chasing Marquise Brown as a flex play kind of thing, but they will have to have big plays to make it work i think Uh, especially marquise brown because i I don't think he's going to get more than maybe like five targets um but we'll see Uh, if they do for some reason try to air it out try to get the ball going with jackson it's like i think they'll have a success but yeah i think it's i think it's going to be a big first half for ingram and a big second half for gus edwards maybe even justice hill getting in on it so uh, i really like gus edwards as a tournament play in dfs because he's so affordable and i feel like um for his For his range of the salary, uh, where the salary descends, I think he kind of has maybe the highest probability of something like 10 carries. And also, especially if you adjust for the placement of those carries, I think they could be within scoring range pretty regularly. Yeah,
1: he's got almost 20% of the Ravens red zone touches so and we expect them to be in the red zone in this game we sure do so yeah i, I like that t- uh, tournament logic when it comes to edwards and it, it feels like the ravens are not beholden to like having mark ingram as as like the only goal line back and i think that sad i just brought up kind of backs up that point there so we could see edwards getting the ball uh near the red zone and also uh, shout out to nick boyle for getting his first nfl touchdown it only took that was him, like, his first
2: n- touchdown yep oh wow i just it took assumed him, like 90 catches okay that's crazy yeah i, know, I just right? assumed he actually I, I thought he was actually uh like a, a a 15 catch three touchdown kind of tight end i didn't realize it was he He just basically does fullback flat catches and nothing else is he really that good of a blocker yeah okay i guess it's like i'm sure they I like how he plays okay cool because like yeah i'm just like just put a lineman out there if you need to have another blocker it's like the lineman can probably catch the ball as well too it's not a big it's not like uh it's not like Ricard that that's actually definitely a good idea having a fullback that can also play uh defensive tackle snaps but i don't know maybe maybe nick boyle the uh the tight end lineman can win me over eventually yeah it was it was fun to i mean like the Obviously, it was a big touchdown in that game, but everyone was going extra
1: crazy about that because every, everyone knew that uh, it was his first one. And uh, there had been several scenarios earlier this season where he came up like a yard or two short. So. They, they opened up
2: the box with the birds in it, but the birds died like, a year and a half ago. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, oh, no. But we we thought it'd be away. more like 30 catches. Sorry. <laughs> this is the 30 catch uh, bird uh, plan that we bought this time. Um, anyway, yeah, I think Ravens should roll, and I I just think it makes a lot of sense for them to try to limit the usage of especially Jackson, but uh, yeah, I don't think Ingram goes over like 14 carries. He does. He tends not to anyway, so why would he in this game unless Cincinnati lets them have the ball for like 30 of the first 40 minutes? So this shouldn't be a one-to-one scenario to
1: week one in miami but i think we could see something similar in terms of like how much the starters are actually needed to be used
2: yeah and and just like that case too it could be a big day for those lead guys even if they don't get the ball that much because maybe ingram's going 70 yards for a touchdown on one of those 10 carries yeah ran for gashed the patriots on a 50 yard run last week
1: looked really good outside of that fumble. Uh, let's move on over to the Browns versus the Bills. One of the more confusing lines in my mind for this week. Yeah, uh, Cleveland zero and three at home, Buffalo three and zero on the road, and yet the Browns are favorites.
2: Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, I guess it's they're pl- they're placing them as a pick'em if not for the home field, but yeah. it's just. I I don't know how you reason that outcome and maybe it's something to do like maybe Vegas is aware of some collapse potential with Josh Allen that I can't quite pick up on. Does it just want like 80% of the money to be on the bills
1: for some reason and because I mean I can't think of a situation where I'm gonna pick the pick the Browns here.
2: Yeah I can't do it they're just not a real team they they really are not a real NFL team because they it's it's really difficult to put into words and it's difficult to quantify but it's All I can really say is I've seen enough NFL football in my life to to say that the Browns like they're not the worst team I've ever seen. But given the level of talent that they have, the level of play that they actually put on the field is like when adjusting for talent, maybe they are the worst team I've ever seen. Because uh, there's just very basic details that they are helpless to account for. And it's worse than the 2011 Eagles okay yeah i mean it's it's just good team that just falls on its face oh yeah it's a lot worse than that even though it is a, uh it is a comparable uh roster talent wise yeah. yeah and like at le- i feel like that team at least was like eight and eight or they were exactly eight and eight okay so yeah this this team like i would not be surprised if the browns don't win another game like i kind of have trouble seeing how they will more specifically so this and the other thing is buffalo seems to me like exactly the kind of team that the the browns are helpless against like maybe the bills you know shaky run defense factors into it like maybe uh chubb can have a big game here but it's like denver already showed you you can just sell out against the run and you won't pay for it against this team because it's like and and i i still think baker mayfield is a good quarterback and i'm certainly still a uh odell beckham truther but this this team doesn't know how to run basic plays they don't know how to practice like a football team needs to so when they come out in these games uh even before they were getting into freddie's bag of bad ideas they were using like the same plays as last year and just failing every time because it's just very basic stunt management very basic uh handing off of blockers on the offensive line identifying uh, where the pressure comes from they can't do it they can't do step one so the talent never even comes into play and if they if the bills can successfully sell out against the run and stop chub then all you have left is baker mayfield against this defense that is very uh like it's it's like a very press heavy kind of cover two where they also generate pressure so the the point in time where baker mayfield is getting heat and needs to get rid of the ball those corners are still facing forward and they're just waiting to pounce because they've they know basically like the ball has to come out at a certain time and based on where the receiver is they more or less know where the ball needs to go and it's like mayfield has had no time against lesser pass rushes than this so he he really might only have like a second and a half two seconds most plays and these corners are specifically trained to sit and and keep their eyes on the quarterback and pounce and it's like I I feel like it's everything about the Browns plays into that I feel like and I I feel like the the stat of the week here that has been bandied about is that Baker
1: also has the worst passer rating when having a clean pocket too so like he he's not like he's the pass rush has rattled him to the point where even even when he's not under
2: pressure he must be feeling the pressure and he's just not being effective i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised if that's also maybe the kind of thing where the the only times he doesn't have pressure it's because they only put one or two guys into routes and everybody else is helping block and maybe like because i I definitely remember seeing times where it was like there's three guys running routes for some reason two of them are right next to each other and then the third is just (laughs) the third one's just odell beckham double teamed downfield or something and it's like it, again, like the, I don't even know if they're running their plays correctly. Like there's just there is nothing that is going right with them aside from just the individual talent levels of the players in question and the the overall dysfunction negates even that a lot of the time. It's been yeah, it's been an abject disaster in Cleveland. And you know, the the one year where they're actually
1: like having deserved preseason hype. Uh, it just goes so poorly. So I mean, th- this must feel just absolutely rock bottom uh, for Browns fans. Uh, from a fantasy angle, we got to mention it one way or the other. What do you make of Kareem Hunt's return?
2: Um, I don't really make that much of it. I, th- I think Dontrell Hilliard has actually played something like 70 snaps the last two weeks. I think Hunt will play probably 20 snaps a game. I'm expecting Chubb to play 30, 35, 40 snaps a game. And, uh, Hilliard, he had a really good brief, uh, debut last year and he had some nice moments this year, but by now his numbers are actually pretty awful okay. uh, or not awful, but n- not good enough that, uh, Kareem Hunt is off suspension and you go like well we got to get hunt involved but we can't do it at hilliard's expense like i think they're gonna just i think they're gonna be like yeah hilliard you're kind of done buddy um but yeah otherwise singletary i think is more or less the real deal in buffalo and i think him having a big game last week is going to make the coaches over there change their approach like they they came into this year maybe it was informed by good analytical reasoning i don't know but they went into the year thinking we're going to do this with frank or we're going to do this with devin singletary and they tried that and it wasn't really working that well and then singletary the first time they give him a chance he you know goes nuts last week so i think they're going to abandon the, the initial reasoning that they had and give singletary the ball um and you know if they if they actually are deserved underdogs in this one, then they need to. It's like we know you'll get less per touch with Frank Gore. You can't afford to leave yardage on the field if if you're not like a double... A double digit favorite or something
1: yeah so i I think yeah we're gonna start to see singletary really take over in that backfield in my tj yeldon best ball shares um kind of like the nick boyle
2: celebration (laughs) birds um just a just a skeleton it's stupid because like i i think the bills are generally managed well by sean mcdermott and i generally think brian dable is a good offensive coordinator but i think they were looking at numbers that they basically didn't know how to handle or maybe maybe it was just old-timey football guy dumb stuff of just you know looking at gore and be like ah, he does it the right way that's good and then just deciding that you're gonna go with it because i think yeldon's better than gore too it's like yeldon didn't get that many chances to play this year but when he did he did well they basically have to like conspire to keep him off the field because otherwise they'll make it'll make their frank gore commitment look kind of dumb but uh anyway yeah yeldon is not getting on the field they've made that clear
1: yep unfortunate all right let's move on over to the saints 13 point favorites going up against the falcons so daring the public to to bet on the falcons here because that's obviously a lot of points i think i still lean the saints here i think the falcons other than you know getting that early season win against the eagles right i think they might be like the worst team in the nfl since then almost or or, like they're challenging it they're in
2: the jets uh dolphins tier at the very least since week three or whatever yeah this is another one dan quinn it's like how is
1: he still employed
2: I don't, I think maybe just Arthur Blank really likes his jaw or something like that. I mean, I do too, but he's got a, he's like, how could I fire someone with a neck like that? Mm. And uh, especially when I don't have a replacement lined up, I don't know. Um, I I have no idea what's going on with that team, but yeah, it's like this, if if we lived in a, a normal timeline, we would have spent this year being like, Dan, I would, I would be logging on to, you know. I would be registering the re- the website fire Dan Quinn or something like yeah. that but it's like we're so distracted by Nagy and these guys that Quinn's basically getting off the hook because he's just like once every 10 years kind of bad uh but anyway I I can't really tell what to make of those that point total uh it seems like Matt Ryan's going to be back I don't know how much that matters to me I also don't know what to make of uh I don't know. I guess. I guess maybe it's just the the home field. Maybe there's some precedent for for the Saints whooping a team like Atlanta there. But 13 does feel like a lot. And the Falcons do at least kind of all year anyway. They've moved the ball. They just haven't scored touchdowns. Like they right. fail in the red zone. I I have to defer to Julio against literally anybody. So it's like Lattimore doesn't make me think that Julio can't get open. I do worry about Ryan. Like, maybe Ryan plays and he's only like 75% because it sounded like it was a pretty significant ankle sprain that he had. And um, I don't know. Maybe he's not necessarily better than Schaub at this particular point in his recovery. Um, If so, even if so, though, it's like I can't quite tell if I think Schaub would fail by two touchdowns. Uh, One thing that is safe to take for granted is the Saints will score points because it's like Kamara's healthy. Uh, I think Cook is healthy and it's like you know now that they have breeze thomas kamara and they're at home traequan smith is back that's kind of interesting i still think he's probably going to be pretty good is murray flex viable still you think uh the spread says yes but i don't know if i quite believe that uh i guess that is something to think about because murray was legitimately good with kamara out it wasn't like he just was i mean the arizona defense isn't so good but he was breaking tackles Looked pretty fast Uh, especially for a running back as big as he is so if the saints do win by two touchdowns then that is the exact kind of game script where things would bode well for murray so i guess given the bye weeks yeah maybe yeah, maybe flex play in 12 teams or more i'm using him in nffc Uh, okay well yeah there yeah there's with uh with that uh one day a week uh, waiver systems like yeah sometimes you end up with things a lot worse than murray as your flex play especially after the injury surprises on a thursday and friday and saturday so yeah i think uh that's a pretty good position to be in yeah. having murray there yeah it's been obviously great uh when he's gotten the, those couple of starts here but
1: even with Kamara be- being back i still am optimistic that murray will be able to do something against atlanta moving on later in the season maybe not as optimistic but at least for this week i think it should work out yeah. okay for murray and I, I do kind of agree with you there where the saints uh should roll here and uh this falcons offense continues to be a source of great disappointment overall
2: yeah i, I russell gage had a good game i gotta mention um and he has the lsu homecoming narrative i guess but uh i don't I, I basically think that was just a weird goofy game with with schaub in there i'm not sure that offense is is sustainable and i'm not a, if julio can't do it and Ridley can't do it. I just don't see how they're really moving the ball, and both of those guys have pretty tough – uh, matchups. I guess you like Hooper either way. It's like he, he garbage time if necessary. He's just doing it every week. Yeah, he really is. So at least there will be that. There will be some uh, fantasy options in that
1: Atlanta passing game, even if it is kind of like like we've been saying all year, the empty calories uh, type of production. Uh, before we get on to our next game, we got a message from our friends over at Yahoo. The NFL season is in full swing at Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all that's right Yahoo cup is free to enter and a perfect lineup will win you $1 million every week of the football season it's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players if you're over 18 and a United States citizen there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot Yahoo daily fantasy football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes even if you don't score a perfect lineup you can still walk away from the game with a little cash choose Yahoo daily fantasy today get started now at Yahoo.com slash daily fantasy we also got a message from our friends over at world fantasy sports already knocked out of your survivor pool do you end up losing early in the season feeling like your success is mostly based on luck wish there is some alternative where you can use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses well now there is world fantasy pools brings you the first of its kind game type stat based survivor pools world fantasy pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist instead of choosing a team to win a game you will use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line achieve the stat line you advance fail to and you will be eliminated be the last to survive and make it through all the rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round to achieve a designated stat line to advance and win. It's that simple. Sign up today at www.worldfantasypools.com. That's www.worldfantasypools.com. All right, let's move on over to this Bucks cardinals game. I know that Kyler Murray's had some good games uh, this season thus far. I think this is going to be the Kyler game this week.
2: Okay, I'm hopeful. Yeah, and I'm especially with all these bye weeks. Maybe maybe that's the main reason. But I definitely did circle uh, Kyler Murray, and in uh, at least on FanDuel, Christian Kirk is really underpriced, and he's he's got a box score that's really weird on the year. I actually I looked at his player page on Rotowire, and I thought very very certainly like oh i'm having a glitch of some kind like this is somebody else's page it pulled up hunter renfro's page or something (laughs) Uh, but it was uh he's just got a lot of catches but not much yardage i think he's averaging like nine yards a catch and he has no touchdowns on the year but he's getting targeted a lot for the snap count and he should play 60 snaps in this one so he projects and i think there's room for upside much greater than this but he projects as a baseline for me something like eight targets and i mean i i don't know what to make of a team like the buccaneers who they more or less have said that they're they're liable to like change their secondary management their defensive approach because like bruce arians was complaining about how these these corners don't know how to run zone coverages and so they have to play in man-to-man which sounded weird to me because it's like you usually go to zones to uh kind of like protect man-to-man deficiencies and man-to-man is almost like your ideal scenario so um but yeah it's either way it's like they're not doing well at the man-to-man like he says so uh or, or the zone like he says so it's like if if they can't do anything right and they're shuffling their cornerback personnel all of which is just young guys who are unproven at best or somebody like hargreaves who got murdered last week um it's yeah um it's it's uh it's like guys they, they might have a different personnel approach week to week and so maybe they'll actually have good luck and hit something that works better and i guess that could be this week it just seems like that's a lot of conditions that need to be met and if those conditions aren't met then kirk and uh murray i guess fits too he's been quite a while but it's like this matchup boat's great for him too because it's like they're going to run a ton of pass plays or they should anyway because it's a lot easier to throw the ball against tampa than to run it and yet they don't really have that many receivers who are proven at all it's just kirk and Fitz, um and they're both slot guys so yeah i I don't know it's it's um maybe more of a cash game play in the case of kirk and Fitz, but i feel like it just pretty much has to work or else they're getting like shut out which just doesn't seem likely to me no the
1: the bucks like you said could create a funnel here where their run game is really good it's like number three against opposing running backs and it's bringing up the rear against uh, opposing wide receivers. Uh, they rank 32nd in terms of fancy points per game allowed to opposing wideouts. So this sets up so well for Kyler Murray this week. And I think, you know, if he adds on a little bit of rushing production on top of what should be, you know, a 300 yard passing game here against a weak buck secondary that, uh, as you mentioned, plays confused can, can kind of get lost here. Maybe uh, Kingsbury can dial something up here. So, i think everything sets up really well i'm gonna have a lot of murray and dfs the question is who do you pair him with and, and we we're gonna be kind of in, enticed by what we saw from andy isabella against the 49ers i think yeah. i don't i don't know if it's a trap or not i will probably talk myself into at least one uh lineup that, if that has both the snaps
2: of them. then i like his chances it's just i'm I'm pretty much positive at what it is is like kingsbury just very specifically wants to see precision and like punctuality from his receivers he wants to see a five yard uh in route but if he
1: sees an 80 yard touchdown against the 49ers how is he keeping that off the field
2: yeah that would be that's that's definitely like there's a lot of cases i think you could make to cliff to just say like get over the aesthetics like i know it's 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 good in a vacuum to have a route runner who does exactly the same thing every time and is always in the same, whatever, perfect right angle in all of his breaks. That's great. But with Isabella, it's like maybe he's a little sloppy with his breaks and his cuts because he's so insanely fast. And maybe uh, these aesthetics that you see in Keyshawn Johnson that you prefer over Isabella just don't mean as much as that raw speed does. And maybe a play like that can convince him it's hard to tell but like if they, they could either leave him in the same low snap count in which case then he is a trap or if if like you say they they go like if if anything or if or nothing else just saying well what the hell else are we going to do it's like we, we have Fitz and kirk but they play the slot no one outside is doing anything uh surefield bird bird was a healthy scratch last week i think so it's that's that's another sign of them getting kind of like impatient with the outside wide receiver personnel so mm-hmm. maybe that that touchdown combined with that initial trend really does make Isabella worth it but yeah it's it's like it's got to be Kirk Fitz and if if Kyler really does have a good game then maybe someone like Charles Clay could be a punt play a tight end the, the Buccaneers have given up a lot to tight ends this year um, otherwise yeah I mean Isabella's I, I was I was not like a super fan of his as a prospect but I still feel like it's it's uh not the greatest look on cliff that he hasn't found a way to use him more yet yeah exactly so uh, hopefully that uh that big play against the niners opens
1: some eyes and forces the issue when it comes to getting him more playing time before we move on from the cardinals and get to the Bucks side of this can you make sense of this cardinals backfield now that i mean Kenyon drake looked awesome you know right <laughs> so uh
2: mini victory lap for us in believing uh and I didn't think good, he good could the do the Dolphins it against, <laughs> yeah I didn't think he could do it against that defense but it took like three minutes into the game before I just just kind of had egg on my face I was forced to start him in I think the the Vegas league okay yeah yeah it's it, Miami is so stupid they blew it <laughs> uh, to the maximum extent possible good just, stuff just ridiculous um but yeah this is uh, so what we were just talking about Isabella and outside receiver snaps outside receiver usage in that Arizona offense and I don't know what fit there is what room there is for both Drake and Johnson unless you're giving Johnson more split out snaps at wide receiver I, and I don't have any reason to believe they're going to do that specifically so I'm, my worry is it's just going to be an obnoxious even split pretty much between David Johnson and Kenyon Drake and uh, I don't think that's the right move and I think Cliff has just in general already not used David Johnson enough as a receiver I know he was on pace before the injury for more receiving yards than rushing yards but he's doing most of his pass catching out of the backfield he should literally line up at receiver and run the exact same routes that those other outside receivers do uh i think that's i think that uh maybe i don't know 20 snaps a game like that 20 snaps a game in the backfield and then that's still probably you know 20 25 snaps they can give to drake keep both of them involved but if they don't do that, I just don't like somebody's getting pinched, and both of them could easily get pinched too. Um, but yeah, I, I think the best format, the best starting lineup for that team would be like Fitz and Kirk in the slot, uh, probably David Johnson split out wide, and Drake in the backfield. But I don't That's have any, I don't <laughs> have any reason to think they'll pursue that. They could, I think it would work, but I don't have any. I, I've seen nothing indicating that they'll do that.
1: Okay, so yeah, this week will be a big. Um, Kind of milestone point in in terms of how this backfield usage is going to go the rest of the way. And the Bucks, for all their warts in the secondary, really really good against the run here. So David Johnson, there's a pretty good chance that he doesn't get anything going on the ground this week.
2: Right, and it's it's annoying because if I if we did hear from Cliff if he did say like yeah you're going to see both Drake and Johnson on the field you're going to see Johnson playing a lot of receiver then I would. Be like, oh, David Johnson's going to have like 120 receiving yards in this game, and I'd, I'd still buy in. But as it is, I'm worried that he's going to get like seven carries for 20 yards and maybe like four catches on five or six targets for, you know, 30 yards or something annoying like that. If they just put him at receiver, he should be able he, he had so much success running as an actual wide receiver in Bruce Arians' offenses. I don't I don't I just don't know why you wouldn't go explore that particularly at a time where you just can't think of anyone to use at outside receiver
1: yeah so hopefully something gets sorted out there Uh, let's go to the buck side of this Mike Evans has been playing well tough matchup personnel wise going up against Patrick Peterson presumably Um, how does this shake up uh, for this Buccaneers offense
2: well Evans could still have a good game um, but as someone who Bought in on him each of the last two weeks in DFS. I'll be fading him this week just because, right or wrong, I still am afraid of Patrick Peterson. And maybe, maybe I should go and look at some tape of of uh, the Cardinals' defense the past couple of weeks just to make sure he still looks as fast as he was the last time I saw him. Because if if Peterson's still that same guy, I mean, he's the pro. He's the nightmare matchup for Mike Evans. He's he's very specifically the prototype for stopping a receiver. Like Mike Evans, and the thing is, he doesn't need to totally shut down Mike Evans to make it a problem for Mike Evans fantasy investors. Because it all we really need for it to be a problem for Mike Evans is for Peterson to be a much more difficult target than some other guy in the secondary. And that the slot position—that's where the the Cardinals have been weakest all year. That's where Godwin is. Godwin was kind of, you know, by variance, if if nothing else, kind of due for a better game, and it also a, a better game specifically at evans's expense and then the matchup gives you every additional reason to think that this is the particular time that it'll happen so i am going at godwin pretty heavily okay because i'm basically at the point where uh and i'll, I'll probably pick uh, i don't know what's going on with oj howard but if there's a tight end who's clearly supposed to start bright was a was a trap last week he only played like 13 snaps because of that injury um if howard's out and bright is for sure in if he's practicing fully this week the tight end you gotta consider because Arizona has just been so insanely bad, uh, so insanely bad at this uh, defending tight ends. And uh, although I don't think Brate has any business playing when OJ Howard is available, I think he's definitely good enough to beat that defense.
1: Sure. And then when you go and consider this backfield,
2: Ronald Jones kind of anointed the starter for this week. You would think they seem. I mean, he definitely functioned as the clear starter last week, and it's it's one of those things, you know, better late than never. There's still some part of me that's like afraid that they're going to do something dumb again just because they've done so many ridiculous things so far. But Jones is the better player. They seemed to, you know, work under that premise last week and he didn't fail in any way. So right. I don't see why they would change it. Yeah. So
1: hopefully, you know, that last week was the signal of the a start of something actually making sense in this Tampa Bay backfield it's been a while um so hopefully that that starts to pan out and then
2: uh james winston do we like him this week i guess so because i i mean i don't know how much we can expect specifically through evans and if you can't get much from evans if evans has like a 40 yard game then that's a pretty thin margin of error for the rest of that personnel to pick up the slack because there just isn't anybody after uh godwin and howard if he's playing great if he's playing and howard isn't So um, if Evans has a bad game, that would either mean Godwin needs to have like 180 or something or Winston maybe caps at 250 ish. Um, But the slot should the middle of the field should be open all day. And if Kyler has a good game, then the Buccaneers will more or less more or less have to play at the pace that the Cardinals do and you know that just results in people throwing 50 passes sometimes so uh that's that's the way it could really work and I I think that it's a pretty plausible you could argue it's the most likely scenario given the traits of these respective defenses
1: I think with that I'm I was kind of torn between Jameis and Matt Stafford uh, as a start start set decision I think I'm probably going to go Jameis after that and yeah it's way higher in terms of the
2: over-under yeah and this is the kind of setting where Jameis can play terrible in real life and still get you that sweet just garbage just just mm. rancid <laughs> 350 yards and two touchdowns and four turnovers i need it yeah so this is if not now it's hard to have reason to expect another time yeah i mean he looked Pretty good, except for that hilarious fumble against the the Seahawks last week. So he has so many. Of the, did you ever think we would ever forget about that Oregon fumble at Florida State playing right? against Oregon in the bowl game? And oh, it's yeah. like I just I am desensitized to it. I never thought it was possible. That, yeah, that was that just, was the best thing ever at that time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the twenty what was that the twenty fourteen memes twenty fifteen memes. Yeah, it so was good. it
2: was the last year Dalvin Cook was there, I think. Was, or no, wait, that was, that was the first year Dalvin Cook was there, and uh, yeah, that was i remember i thought for sure florida state's gonna rock oregon i can't wait to pick them in the the, the Wire spread pick article and then like saw that winston fumble and i was like oh oh no I, I i was wrong i guess no one's winning and do no one does that and then wins the same day yeah absolutely not so that was a sign of things to come
1: uh so moving on from a very potentially exciting game with a very high over under we go to the meadowlands with the jets and the giants i'm
2: kind of okay so i i understand why a normal person would look at uh two players like sam Darnold and daniel jones and basically see no difference or maybe even think jones is, is the better of the two because he's had two big games this year Darnold has only had one or whatever um but
1: this is all making
2: me more angry at the jets oh yeah that they beat the cowboys and ruined my survivor yeah me too it's uh and and then i get more angry at dallas than the jets for (laughs) managing to screw up how How? idiots? yeah um but i don't know i i think i am not willing to negotiate this at all like i still am an absolute full faith darnold uh like not buying like i don't have him in any dynasty leagues or anything but like I, i'm buying as an analyst or whatever it's like i still am pretty sure he's going to be really good and i don't blame anyone for getting nervous about him with some of his bad games bad optics this year but oh, yeah. he turned 22 in june or something we always knew he was going to be like a mistake prone kind of player it's it's just that he's also shown a, at many points uh, nfl and college bowl, he's shown at many points the ability to just do things that other guys can't yep. and when you're that young and you have rough spots like whatever maybe the rough spots kind of improve with age and maybe all of a sudden one day you have this guy who is no worse than average at these things that used to be problems in the past but you still have these other unique traits that no one else in the field can match and i think that's going to happen with him maybe it won't happen on the timeline that everybody wants maybe it won't happen on any particular like predictable or maybe there'll be a lot of unreasonable things that happen on the way Um, like last week but i think he's going to be good and i think he might be better now than people think um i think the dysfunction of the jets explains a lot of his struggles but going against the giants i think deandre baker is just the biggest duck of all time for a player like robbie anderson like i don't know how they're going to have to help baker every single play because anderson can just dust him so easy and I i hate to see that but i agree and then in the slot Jamison crowder uh i don't know why this grant haley is so bad because he, he had really good pro day numbers coming out of penn state if i remember right but his metrics have been really bad all year the the results you know the opposing slot receivers have had success against the giants so it should be a, a good matchup for crowder and anderson both and that was true last week yes but i'm you know general rule if if the matchup is really good for anderson and crowder and since i project those two for probably something like combined 15 targets in this game then i have to like it for Darnold because it's i I just i think he's good enough that when he has two good players with good matchups like this that he will generally produce i don't know what to make of jones on the other side because golden tate he's going to run into the brian pool coverage golden tate had uh, i mean we saw in the patriots game like he can win against great coverage still like he's a really good receiver uh so i think you like golden tate if you have him in season long because sterling Shepard and engram being out yeah i think we're gonna see him get force fed yeah he's gonna get a lot of targets i do worry about him finishing a game with like this one uh if pool keeps playing well and i don't for the record i don't know why pool has been so good i'm mostly deferring to pro football focus but uh he was a good player at florida had a couple okay seasons with the falcons and um whatever the case is Uh, it's been a lot tougher to throw inside against the Jets than the outside uh, where Darius Slayton is basically the last guy standing and I do like him this week Uh, he's got a really great matchup Um, it's like the opposite deal with Tate it's like I think both of them should get targets but Slayton's got a really easy matchup Uh, Tate's got a brutal one and um, yeah I I think if Jones has a good game Slayton almost necessarily did too Okay, yeah, so that's a good call, especially on Slayton drawing the
1: softer matchup in this Jets secondary overall, and then obviously I think Saquon is going to have a huge game as well. Just, you know, have to say it for disclaimer purposes, basically. Um, Let's move on over to this Titans versus uh, Chiefs game. We got the Chiefs six-point favorites on the road here. We got the return of Patrick Mahomes.
2: What are we expecting here? I can't quite figure out what this will look like because the Tennessee defense can do some things well uh some things less so um and then you look at their what they're giving up to opposing tight ends and receivers it's not easy for me to figure out why some of these things are happening but basically they've been really tough on tight ends this year and that could mean a couple things that could mean um maybe a safety like Kevin Byard is contributing maybe it's Vaccaro he's a good player don't know uh but Logan Ryan as the slot corner presumably has seen a few tight end snaps this year but otherwise it would probably have to be Jayon Brown who is by pretty much any measure, probably one of the best coverage linebackers. So on the one hand, I don't, I don't know if, if um, like maybe Brown will follow Travis Kelsey into the slot, but Kelsey functions basically like a receiver in the slot. And I don't know if uh, the other tight ends that the Titans have stopped this year do the same things that Kelsey does. So it, it might not be analogous. And, um, It's like on the one hand, I think Patrick Mahomes has a good game. It's just like... I'm having trouble figuring out where I think the stack potential is because Tyreek is the obvious choice and like probably basically the answer to the question that I'm maybe overthinking. Um, but it's it's also one of those deals where it's like Watkins or Kelsey could get open too. I just don't they, they all line up all over the place and it's not easy to single out like this guy's on Malcolm Butler and he sucks so we're picking that receiver. It's like they're all gonna see everybody now. And they're getting Butler's backup. I think I think Butler broke his wrist. Oh right yeah yeah. So it's like LaShawn Sims or something you and you'd definitely rather run against him than a dory jackson but also like tyree killer even sammy Watkins against a dory jackson it's like if mahomes is the quarterback that corner isn't safe even if they're playing well nope so i don't know I, I like mahomes a lot and he's so tempting in the dfs sites at his post-injury price which will probably if he's healthy that's only a one-week deal like it's going to cost more uh other times and uh yeah i'm definitely picking him instead of lamar i know that um but i don't know how i'm going to go at that one exactly but it's you know Mahomes is back i gotta gotta think about that one gotta get some shares of him especially when all these other teams are dealing with these buys yeah and if he's really like not prohibitive, like you're getting him at a discount on the
1: dfs sites then, then definitely uh fire that up um on the titans side uh derrick henry played well uh last week aj brown continues to be impressive um what do we think here
2: well um on DraftKings I'm pretty interested in the Tannehill Corey Davis stack and uh AJ Brown's good too it's just that I think he might run a little bit more against Chavarius Ward who is probably the best corner uh, certainly the best outside corner with the Chiefs and the other side is where it's Breland and Claiborne and that is where Corey Davis should run most of his routes so uh, Breland i don't understand what's with that guy like why he sticks around the league i feel like every single time i've ever watched him play he's getting beat and i still think Corey davis is good so if Corey davis is running against him i'm interested i would like the matchup enough for derrick henry but i'm just i I guess i expect the script to get away from them a bit i can see that too i think he finishes with like 15 carries for 65 yards or something and the chiefs defense has been playing a little better lately i don't know how much there is to it but last week uh they were those defensive tackles on the inside were just crushing the Minnesota offensive line. Uh, like Chris Jones, there was this one play where he looked like he just seemed he like flipped the center or guard who was covering him into Kirk Cousins and just kind of like trash compacted both of them. That's the guy who had fifteen and a half sacks last year. He's really good. Uh he just came back from injury last week. But then even Derek Naughty and uh call uh Kalen Saunders, uh those two guys were flattening those linemen too. So uh, the Tennessee offensive line hasn't been great or anything. I can If that defensive line is kind of picking up steam, that could also be a big problem for Henry.
1: Well, well and if if Taylor Luan is talk trash to any of them, then it's going to get extra bad, as we saw in that Gotta hate game. Got to that guy. <laughs> LOL. All, All right, right, let's move on over to <laughs> to this Indianapolis versus Miami game. Miami – Preston Williams play last week it hit the the Dolphins stack it was beautiful um, no yeah. more Preston Williams for the rest of this year that though that's really really tough they picked up Gary Jennings remember that remember that name
2: I still believe I although when it with a case like his then it's almost like when a team bails on him in a rookie year it's I almost wonder if there's something weird uh there by every uh every account about Jennings was that he was like a good worker and stuff so who knows but that was you know I'm just terrified of like, like ever since carlos henderson every time i see a good receiver who doesn't play or like gets cut i'm just like oh no there's something horrible going on here oh but man, carlos uh, henderson now i'm bummed too yeah he should have been so he good should've. um but yeah uh jennings is pretty good i don't he was good at west virginia and he's he tested pretty well so i don't know but, but i won't go n- not pers- for not for this week yeah, yeah, yeah
1: necessarily but uh i mean how many targets can we project for parker now that that
2: williams is going to be out um i don't know i mean it's we also have to maybe keep in mind the possibility of that slot committee reforming some uh, not not uh how should i say this so we we got jakeem grant alan hearns and albert wilson splitting something stupid like 12 snaps a game in the slot uh definitely hearns and i feel like grant have a history of playing outside so maybe some of them some some uh some version of that whole rotation maybe gets reconfigured into outside snaps. But, uh, if they don't, then it's just kind of down to like Parker, maybe maintaining the same role that he's had. And then maybe Gasicki kind of stepping up and taking, uh, what was going to Preston Williams. And he got going last week. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, he's a tough one to figure out for me because it's like my method of grading tight end prospects says, point blank like Gasicki is really good you Mm -hmm. should buy but the cold reception from two coaching staffs and uh them not getting him going earlier this year kind of made me lose the faith but now I think I'm kind of getting it back again um certainly in fantasy I'm really intrigued and in DF that includes DFS this week I'm gonna have to think really hard because Gasicki looks like one of the best values to me the question is whether he's a trap and I don't think he is like a lot of his struggles last year it's like if you struggle under adam Gase, we don't care do we and especially because he was getting used way too much as a blocker he's not getting used as a blocker anymore he's pretty much only running routes so that's reassuring and if, if he's playing 50 snaps and gets six targets in a game then i think he's probably just going to be successful for it and um i'm pretty interested this week but parker i would i don't think i could expect a whole lot more just because i don't I don't know if the, the way he functions really affords that possibility uh we'll see though and i, I still more or less am a parker truther um these these colts the, their corners are a bit beat up i don't know if this year will be back but uh the rookie Marvel tell apparently has played pretty well so far and that guy is like byron jones athleticism so it might be a little tougher of a matchup than it might look like uh especially if tell is basically you know a, a diamond in the rough or whatever okay and then
1: moving on
2: to the indianapolis side of things here 10.5 points even against the dolphins if it's brian hoyer back there i don't know if it's brian hoyer i'm actually probably buying in dfs at least in tournaments you know because uh we saw last week he's turnover prone but he's also more aggressive than jacoby Brissett. so that would actually oh man uh if 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 Hoyer is in (laughs) I'm Jack Nicholson right now (laughs) if Hoyer is in I might have to get even dumber than last week and (laughs) and maybe it's I'm not going to do it in like any million maybe on FanDuel but DraftKings has like a $100 millionaire maker thing this week instead of 20 or 10 like they've been doing so that's too expensive for me to try this this week but i can't lie i'm really morbidly curious about maybe going hoyer dion kane because dion kane has been terrible this year but i also my my theory is that brissette just doesn't read his part of the field like he just he just doesn't look at it because kane's basically been a decoy all year before last week they brought him back after a healthy scratch and he dropped a short uh, pass attempt but um paris campbell's out and hilton everyone's uh, been asking about uh zach pascal all week though he's the he's the much he's the one you should pick if you have the choice i was more so i was i was thinking about kane because i'm sure he's three thousand dollars on DraftKings, or i would assume he is and uh pascal's got to be something like the wide receiver 20 or something at this point we have him we have him fairly high up um for good reason. yeah i still don't think he's very talented and even last week like he, he makes some good plays it's just that when i watch them I'm not convinced he can pull it off with more attention on him and I I'm not convinced that he can do it, you know, twice in a row. Like one of his long catches against Pittsburgh, it was kind of like he was covered on the sideline, he had no separation at all. He just kind of did a back shoulder thing where, you know, it's like you didn't get open. He caught the ball, good job, but it's like if the if the corners facing the quarterback on that same play, it's just you're not an option in the progression. So I don't know. He's he's the most uh like dependable Colts receiver the one that clearly Reich trusts the most because and uh, maybe he's just better at practicing details attention to detail than Kane who's got all this raw talent but has nothing at all to show for it if Hoyers out there though I think they're just they're generally throwing deep a lot more than they did with Brissett.
1: and like you're saying to to your point about Deion Kane uh, his average depth of target 12 yards down the field so getting a little bit further down
2: the field than maybe some of those other uh, Colts options there so if it's uh if it's Brissette I oh, actually I don't want Brissett to play hurt that makes me creeped out about everybody but it's a great matchup for jack doyle and eric ebron and if it's hoyer i think that's a reason to be more interested in ebron than you otherwise would be but he's really risky he only played like 20 snaps last week yeah he he killed
1: me i was i was i talked myself into him and then was promptly reminded why you should never talk yourself into eric ebron um let's move on over to the packers going up against the panthers uh packers five and a half point favorites i kind of view last week's game against the chargers as a as a mulligan as a as a one-off hiccup i think the packers get back on track this week and uh, Devontae adams seeing 11 targets and only turning it into like 40 yards like that's not something that's going to happen again
2: yeah and i guess i guess i'd be surprised if Rodgers really struggled with this like zone heavy carolina defense they they'll they're they're always like well coached by Rivera on defense and they always you know play tough or whatever but um, the secondary personnel just isn't that great to me I mean I guess Jackson can run and Bradbury's huge or whatever but I'll be disappointed if LaFleur can't come up with a game plan that keeps the ball moving and then Carolina in any case has struggled against uh, rushing attacks this year I think Aaron Jones bounces back I know that people love to panic every time he has an i guess it's kind of quite literally like if he doesn't have a 40 point fantasy game we all start panicking again it's it uh, is a weird phenomenon with like him. it's annoying yeah. how he's splitting the carries with jamal williams or whatever but it's like he had a bad game last week because the packers had a bad game last week and jamal williams scored a garbage time touchdown it doesn't matter like he's 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 better Jamal Williams is better than most backup fantasy backs that's the takeaway there's nothing as far as like panicking about Aaron Jones so uh if i believe that i have to believe jones has a good game here and uh if he doesn't then the spread is wrong like i there's no way for green bay to to win by nearly a touchdown in my opinion if jones is a dud and i just i don't think he will be so i'm not worried okay and then on the panther side of things obviously cam newton
1: not going to play again this year so what we've seen from kyle allen that's the offense for the rest of the year so mccaffrey obviously number one fantasy asset that there is yeah um some of the other you know more ancillary pieces of that offense the the receiving core specifically uh, you know it's not going to reach its full potential with Kyle Allen back there
2: yeah I think he's basically a Matt Moore in his prime kind of quarterback probably something like the 35th best quarterback in the league in a league where everybody after 20 is non-viable as a starter Um, at least you know for for a playoff uh, ambition sort of team I don't know what I expect as far as the matchups because the packers have a history of using jair alexander as a shadow Uh, they also have a history of not using him as a shadow and the thing is tremont williams is having a good year for them and he's their slot corner and yet the the panthers tend to get a lot of snaps uh, for curtis samuel and dj moore outside they'll both see the slot sometimes but it's also a lot of the times jarius Wright. and if the if the panthers can just waste a bunch of williams's snaps on jarius Wright, that's a win for them because kevin king is just trash in my opinion mm-hmm. and there's no way he can cover either one of dj moore or curtis samuel so I, i'm at once worried about the pass rush with Allen Uh, because there's been there's been uh, times this year where curtis samuel got open and it didn't matter because the offensive line fell apart or Allen just straight up missed him for no good reason that's definitely in play here um but curtis samuel and dj moore or at least i should say one of them on any given play will be open a lot i think
1: okay all right so that that at least the, car, the the targets should be there. Like the separation is just a matter of Allen being able to deliver it, and we've seen mixed results as far as that goes for the bulk of this season. Uh, let's move on over to the Rams going up against the Steelers. Uh, Rams three and a half point road favorites here going against the Steelers team that I don't know how they keep doing it, but they are still fi- They are five hundred despite uh, not only not having Ben Roethlisberger, but also having Mason Rudolph.
2: <laughs> yeah i mean i guess rudolph could get better in his upcoming seasons like i thought this was his third year it's only his second Mm -hmm. but uh he's really bad there's just not much you can do with him he's just a no-go and the reason you know he's really bad is because he was the exact opposite type of quarterback in college like in college he was he probably had an average depth of target of like 14 and a half yards yeah and in the n f l he is afraid he has no idea of what to do as far he 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 can't even begin to see the way to play that way in the n f l and so uh he's got nothing to work with he has he has nothing going for him but uh in this setting, I'm also really worried about Jared Goff because i just i don't think he's good bad generally. on the road he's bad on the road and i'm not i'm- i think that the the mcVeigh system has largely been decoded. And I think we're going to find out that Jim Coventry had the, had the smell smell out for that in like August. He was like, I, I wonder if the league
1: catches up to McVeigh this year. So shout yeah. out to Jim
2: yeah they th- i think they have in the sense that i think we've more or less found out everything that he can do with golf i still think mcveigh would find counter adjustments that he could do with a better quarterback but he doesn't have a better quarterback and your options for counter adjustment are pretty limited when you have a quarterback like golf so i'm not convinced that he's good at home anymore and yeah and, and then yeah going on the road to pittsburgh of all places like they're kind of mean as a crowd it's not it's not going to be a welcoming environment for Goff. they're they're going to be he's going to know that there's like however many tens of thousands of people in that stadium wishing bad things will happen to him and he'll he'll feel that energy and i think it'll rattle him a little bit um but even if it doesn't even if he goes in there totally clear-minded that pittsburgh pass rush is a real problem and uh you know that i haven't kept up with the last couple weeks or whatever but i've obviously earlier in the year at least that rams offensive line was struggling a little bit and uh good offensive lines can struggle against this pass rush it's, there's just a lot of speed a lot of explosive disruptive talent on that pittsburgh defense and they blitz a ton uh the blitzes are often pretty well disguised i have no faith in golf playing well in a setting like this and so uh i actually am closer in line with the initial line of uh pittsburgh minus one than i am the rams of three and a half favorites oh if the lines move that much then yeah i'm probably on the steelers too then i don't know what's going on with james connor though and uh if they don't have connor then yeah then maybe the steelers offense is just so bad that they can't possibly win uh that's that's a pretty significant risk i guess actually because um i mean you can't you can't do a trey edmonds jalen samuels off i still think samuels is good to be clear but i also think he needs development time at running back from basically playing the position only in his second year right now and you obviously with the 13 catches last week you can see that part of the game is easy for him but running out of the backfield he's not so polished that i would that i would think he could carry a whole offense with a quarterback as bad as rudolph yeah and it looks like the the latest from
1: uh jerry dulak of of uh let's see the pittsburgh post-gazette saying that connor not expected to play sunday
2: oh okay well maybe that explains it then because yeah if they had if they had a good quarterback then i would say yeah jalen samuels is enough but if you're selling out against the run and jalen samuels is your only counter then you you might have no offense in that game
1: oh the stuff that jalen ramsey might do to a mason rudolph pass and then, just, and then just let him know to hear what he's
2: right saying ahead. to him yeah. and like if, if he gets within earshot in any place yeah you would probably like try to like run up next to him like on his way to the end zone and just just I've, I've, i don't know if we've ever heard jalen ramsey mic'd up or whatever or if there's any good quotes but i can kind of just based on what he says in press conferences and stuff i can imagine him having taunts that just uh it's, it's not it's not enraging in the way that like a you know your mama or something like that such and such it's like i feel like he would say something that really makes you see the abyss
1: yes like vi- very succinctly like three words later and
2: like rudolph is just like catatonic and like crying on the field yeah i think i think he, he'll just like rip his heart out and like blank in a blank face like he does when he's talking <laughs> like he just just kind of almost uh yeah kind, kind of a kind of a like, he's so weird because he doesn't try to be like a tough guy, intimidating thing, but he, he'll, he'll just hurt you with the truth, I think. Yeah, he, he is not afraid to speak his
1: mind. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, let's move on over to the night games here before we wrap things up. we got the Cowboys uh, facing off against the Vikings. Cowboys, yeah, they get to be on national TV again, so that, that's good. Duh. Fun fact, this game features uh, the number two and number three ranked quarterbacks in YPA this year. Kirk Cousins, number two in the league behind Mahomes and Dak, number three.
2: Well, I'm definitely a DAC believer, and I, what? I at once think Kirk Cousins kind of got a little bit too much criticism early this year, but also still don't think he's better than average. And, um, you know, some teams can win the Super Bowl with an average quarterback. The Vikings were unable last year, and people, you know, got mad that he was – he cost much more than an average quarterback should and i think that kind of got out of hand with the the criticism this year when he had those early season struggles um i don't think the dallas defense and i don't think the dallas stadium is the type that would really be a big problem for cousins and of course he played there a bunch of times when he was with washington so i'm not worried about the arrowhead kind of game from Kirk cousins yeah they, both these teams play in country club stadiums yeah, and um, hopefully Thielen can do more this week because, uh, I mean, if you have Thielen out there and you have Diggs out there, that's just a, that's really tough to stop. And maybe Thielen being limited last week played a role in Dalvin Cook getting contained. I don't know. But uh, I, this is the kind of game where I really don't want to pick Dallas, even though I don't have that much respect for Mike Zimmer, uh, who has some something of a revenge game narrative going here. He was a defensive coordinator in Dallas for like eight years or something. Um, before we went to Cincinnati and then Minnesota but um i don't think he's a great coach especially in terms of like vision i mean, i think he gets his team like you, well practiced and do well you, like prepared. mean that
1: as like a double entendre the vision
2: thing? Oh what did i do? I like, don't know. He's had like a, a thousand eye surgeries or something. Oh he has. Yeah. Oh that would be insensitive of me. No, i definitely <laughs> didn't mean that. Uh sorry sorry Mike and um of course you don't have that kind of vision otherwise you wouldn't have needed it all those surgeries um but uh no i just don't think he has like that great of an imagination as a coach he's like the kind of guy who he, he if you give him good players he will teach them how to just dominate the player in front of them but he won't really do mcveigh stuff where he gets like bad players that you think are good with with smokes and mirrors um but dallas isn't either there um i think kellen moore could be that kind of coach as an offensive coach but uh and, and marinelli uh is that, is that who runs the defense uh for dallas i think it is um whoever the defensive coordinator is in dallas has done a pretty good job for a few years now but um they're not talented enough that it makes me worried for the minnesota offense and uh the minnesota run defense i think can contain zeke and dallas has shown a willingness to waste you know two quarters of a game trying to get zeke going when they maybe should instead throw the ball and i think that's exactly the case here Uh, The corners, for whatever reason in Minnesota, are not having a good time lately. And Amari Cooper, uh, Michael Gallup should be able to beat them. And I think if Dallas is smart. Well, although we got to keep an eye on the Amari Cooper thing because he was getting a knee mri and uh if he's unavailable then that uh, i'm just going with the vikings on that basis I if he can't play i think things came back okay oh okay uh
1: todd archer had a tweet about that from from espn talking about amari cooper's injury he anticipates to be able to play sunday so should oh, okay, be good. should be able to go
2: well, yeah. Cooper is awesome. So if he's out there, I think, I think Gallup is good. I know he's had a couple quiet weeks, but that, that touchdown that he had was awesome. Oh, I know that was, um, that was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that was sick. So, uh, I think those two guys are way too good for those Minnesota corners. And I think Dak is great. So if, if Dallas just lets them attack them, I think it'll work well for them, but I I think Minnesota will make it tough to run. Probably. <laughs> Either way, I
1: think this this ends up being a pretty fun game for, for the Sunday nighter. I'm l- looking forward to that. And then we have a great one uh, coming up on Monday. We got the unbeaten 49ers, the league's last remaining undefeated team, playing host to the Seahawks. They are six-point favorites in this one. That's a lot. Russell Wilson playing just absolute god mode uh, right now. This 49ers defense, likewise. So it's a, there's a lot of like strength on strength in this one.
2: I don't... Uh... I guess the most of the public's picking Seattle, so I guess the the spread is right. Um, but six six and a half seems like a lot to me, uh, just because Jimmy Garoppolo still hasn't done much convincing. I know he had the big game against the Cardinals, but that was not a turned corner, or at least I don't think in itself it's proof that he turned a corner because Arizona's weaknesses just perfectly uh, accommodated his tendencies. That won't necessarily be the case against the Seahawks. I know their defense isn't good, uh, but the arizona defense was a very particular very specific sort of accommodation for garoppolo that i don't think pete carroll will quite leave out there um maybe brita and coleman get running and maybe that settles that but uh the thing about wilson is that i don't think matchups really matter for him Mm -mm. because and it's not even in the this is also it's true in this sense i guess but it's not even that it's just like he's so good he overrules it's that uh the way he wins it's like being a good disciplined defense doesn't necessarily pay off against him. it's like you can you can have a great pass rush uh, get burned for it because wilson's almost more dangerous improvising than he is within the pocket so having bosa and all those guys it might work it, it might it might be a reason why they win it might be a reason why they cover but it also might be just a way to set wilson loose on themselves and um i don't think the secondary is so great in S- uh, san francisco that i would worry about locket and i think even if he's running against uh, actually I, I looked this up metcalf should run against emmanuel mosley rather than sherman but even if you were on sherman it's like 433 228 russell wilson's the quarterback i don't care yeah sherman can't physically dominate metcalf <laughs> yeah i mean sherman was running a 4-5 when he came out of stanford by now he's probably like four five five at best uh I, I think with an achilles injury in his history right so yeah yeah so um i think lockett and metcalf basic it, as long as they're working with wilson i more or less don't think they can be covered or um at least in a setting like this one where seattle would probably have a little more urgency and a little more interest in throwing downfield both because uh S- san Francisco's heavily favored and i don't know if i would expect carson to run effectively as much as Uh, Wilson could pass effectively against a defense like this although they did lose Quan Alexander at linebacker that's a big loss so maybe that helps Carson get going Um, but I basically feel like San Francisco uh, puts Seattle in a position where they need to throw the ball Uh, kind of like last week not in the sense of like the fireworks I don't think this is going to be four or five touchdowns but if you force Seattle to throw the ball if you If you take away Brian Schottenheimer's ability to harm that offense through doing what he would normally like to do, if you force him to do something smarter than he would otherwise, it's like Wilson is not what you want them to do. You almost almost want to trick them into just going with Carson, and I don't... I don't know. I don't know if they'll lead them to that kind of outcome. And six and a half points just feels like a lot to me. I don't know. Yeah, I I think so, too. I I
1: think that the Seahawks can come in
2: and potentially even win this game outright. And
1: we'll we'll have to see what Josh Gordon's able to do and what could be his um, Seattle debut. Hollister.
2: How about that? I was kind of a Hollister truther. I mean, he he put up good numbers with Josh Allen and uh, had totally good uh, workout metrics. So uh, I'm sure he's no Will Disley, but uh, still worth picking. Certainly up in a better lot of than leagues, than, I think. than Luke
1: Wilson. Much to my chagrin, as someone uh, yeah. who who lost Disley and made the wrong pick
2: there. Ouchies! I don't um, know how anyone could have seen that coming, <laughs> but yeah if, yeah, if They keep throwing to Hollister. I think the results will keep being there. I think so too. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's show. For
1: Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening to the RotoWire NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Check out Friday's episode with Andrew Laird and Jerry Donabedian. and that'll drop on Friday. Thanks for listening.